On this week's edition of The Final Dump, the Green Bay Packers are 2-1, and one. Bach is back, the Romeo Dobbs era might finally be here, we've got a defense and so much more to get to following a Week 3 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's all coming up on The Final Dump. <laughs> News dump. News dump. Yay. News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a landslide. It's the final dump presented by Game On Wisconsin. And welcome. To the final dump, Brendan Dworzynski and Matt Fralick here with you on this Monday night, Tuesday morning, or maybe any day of the week if you are listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of the show. Good vibes all around the Green Bay Packers, two and one after a defensive slugfest against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week three. But hey, Matt, what is the best part of winning ugly? That's right. It's winning. And that is all that matters in the end. That's essentially what Matt LaFleur said in his press conference on Monday. You know that this team is not going to apologize for any win, especially over a team with a defense like that from Tampa Bay. Good vibes all around. And now, if you're a Packers fan, you can say, hey, we've got a win over a team that isn't smoldering dumpster garbage like the Bears, and we have a win over a really good defense this time. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. I mean, uh, it's I, a couple times across the timeline today, I saw some statistics based around Justin Fields, and boy, oh boy, that is an interesting situation they got for the young man. Um, but no, the Packers, Victory Monday, love it. We went into the weekend thinking – they a the bucks are gonna be more healthy uh that was not the case we also didn't expect there to be like four receivers banged up for the packers uh all that considered we had them losing the game i think we predict the over um so again we're not uh, getting any dream jobs anytime soon we're still here for an eight o'clock special on uh monday doing the final dump just to break everything down and say why we were wrong and what we should know going into the future I'm going to have to toot my own horn here because I'm wrong so often. I might as well brag the one time I was right. I did pick a loss, but I said a cover in the under. I did have that correct. I okay, said, fair I think enough. Fair enough. 21 20 is where I had it because I gave the most annoying score prediction possible for under 41 and a half. But no, we, we were both pretty close. We thought it would be a close game. It did end up being a close game. Defense is reigned. We're going to talk all about that defense coming up on the show today. We'll get our biggest takeaways from the game, the defense, which was just phenomenal against the Buccaneers. Uh, Buccaneers offense also kind of gross, kind of awful, although they were also missing, obviously, their best players in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans outside of their quarterback, Tom Brady. We'll talk about David Bakhtiari coming back, the Romeo Dobbs era. It might finally be here, and we'll look ahead to week four against a banged-up Patriots team that's not going to likely have its starting quarterback in Mac Jones. Plus, we'll cap things off with significant to some looking ahead to week four. But Matt, let's start with week three. It was at times an ugly game. It was defense heavy. It was a slog to get through for both offenses, but the Packers in the end come away with the 14 to 12 victory. And man, it really did come down to the last moments of the game. What was your biggest takeaway from the Packers week three win? Hanging on to win a game. I guess that's what I'm going to say. Like they hung on to win a game. And of course they have to throw the graphic down about, you know, second all time Tom Brady with uh overtime or fourth quarter comebacks. You know, I, I have a lot of faith in the Joe Bayer defense, but when it comes down to pressing a team at the end, he's, 
now shown again that he's just not really willing to do that. He's going to make you want to make it, maybe make a mistake. The ultimate bend don't break defensive coordinator. I'd like to see they get fixed at some point, but I would say just coming down to the wire close game like that, not having to rely on the offense to win a game, truly relying on your defense to make some plays, uh, possibly maybe some negligence to the, uh, the, the Megatron or the, the scoreboard person will we'll go and there's, there'll be some information that comes out of that on Tuesday. There were some Reddit posts, um, but I want to hear what Aaron Rodgers has to say on the uh, the Pat McAfee segment he does uh, to see what the real answer was. But I, I would say overall, I was really pleased with the defense. That was one of my biggest takeaways. Um, special teams, again, week two was not an outlier. This is how the team is going to come playing. And then just guys stepping up across, across. I mean, really like Yash Nijman stepping in, doing what he does, being in a weird situation with rotation with Bakhtiari, Keyshawn Nixon having a hell of a game, basically taking the Rasul Douglas cape and putting it on himself, just being thrusted into a, having to perform. But really it was just, um, yeah, I would say the defense, just the way they were able to clamp down in the big moments and causing turnovers. Like they were, when you go back and look, like I was halfway through the game, I was like, damn, they're going off to the football quite a bit. And I went and watched like the condensed version, like the 10 minute version or 15 minute version on NFL's uh, YouTube page. And truly, like, dude, they were going after the ball all day, trying to get pass breakups, trying to punch the ball out, the old peanut punch. And it was um, a solid performance from that defense and still a lot more to be, you know, desired and a lot, a lot more things to tighten up on that defensive end. But Sacking Tom Brady is, I think, a, a feat in itself because he's just so damn good at getting the ball out, whether or not he's 45 and runs a, a 5-4-40. Like, I still think it's one of those things where you have to be really, really pleased with the way that defense overall uh, performed. I think for me, the big thing, and it, it ties in exactly to what you said there, Matt, is just the fact that the Packers were able to overcome adversity in this game and adversity in a lot of different ways. The fact that early on they were able to score two touchdowns early should have been three really before Aaron Jones fumbled on the goal line when he got hit by Vita Vea. They were able to move the ball really well with that opening script against the Buccaneers and their incredible defense. And I do want to make sure we give Tampa Bay credit because that defense is sick. So is the Packers. Packers defense, very good. Looks like it's getting better week after week. That Buccaneers defense is salty. It is nasty. And we saw pretty much after that Jones fumble, the whole offense went to hell for Green Bay, and yet they were still able to pull out a win. So they were able to move the ball against that great defense early on, and that was enough to get everything taken care of and to get the win. Lots of guys banged up and injured. Defensively, for that unit that played so well, they had to do it for most of the game without Jair Alexander, which hopefully everything is going to be okay long-term with Ja. Based on reporting, I believe it was Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, who I saw this from on Monday, said, it doesn't seem to be anything super long-term. I believe Matt LaFleur actually brought that up in his press conference. It wasn't just from the reporter, but you know what I'm getting at. You didn't have him for a while, and you mentioned Keyshawn Nixon. That's a great pull. He was definitely one of the performers of the game, stepping in there in a role he is not normally asked to fill and coming up and making a huge couple of plays throughout the course of the game. Uh, I thought other guys up front stepped up defensively in big moments. Offensively, you didn't have Christian Watson. You're not going to have Sammy Watkins long-term. Yes, you did have Romeo Dobbs, who we'll get to later, who had his breakout game or something close to a breakout game. Having Lazard be the new safety blanket, along with Randall Cobb on some of those quick hitters, some of those RPOs, that was obviously good to see. It's hard to run on that Buccaneers team, though, man, and take <laughs> away something that the Packers really want to do and want to focus on. That makes things hard for your offense. Offensive line, you're rotating your left tackle in and out all game, which worked. I mean, it did to a degree pay off because the Packers did win and Rodgers didn't get roughed up too badly. But that's not something that I would normally advise. That's not usually conventional wisdom, a smart thing to do. 
So the fact that there were so many different things that could have gone wrong, so many bad situations to be in or just unfavorable situations and to still come out with that win, really it reminds me of the Cardinals game from mm-hmm. last season. Not necessarily fully in terms of how the game played out, but go back to that game when you didn't have Devonta Adams. In fact, the whole wide receiver room was all torn up. That's what I believe was Juwan Winfrey's first game on the active roster last season when he said, hey, Juwan, he better be ready to go because Aaron Rodgers is going to throw to you because he's got nobody else to throw to. And you had Aaron Rodgers throwing a bunch of little dink and dunk stuff. Yesterday, the first half, he was averaging, what was it, under three yards per completion through the air. I mean, that's that's not Aaron Rodgers, but that's what they needed to do, and it worked. And it was very similar to what they had to do against Arizona last year. A lot of short stuff, just try to get guys in space, get the ball out as quickly as possible. That was very reminiscent. All the way down to, A, having guys injured all over the place. But, B, you get to the end of the game. It took a freak play to win both of them. Arizona last year, we will always remember Russell Douglas, the interception off the total brain fart by Kyler Murray and A.J. Green. Awesome memory in recent Packer history. This year, Tom Brady takes a delay of game on a two-point conversion. And I know it's not all his fault. I know that Cole Beasley, who had been signed like eight minutes before the game, was lined up in the wrong spot. I know the center, who's a backup, didn't snap the ball, or originally was a backup, I should say, didn't snap the ball on time. But that's a total freak thing that how in the world does that happen? They didn't have a timeout because they burned all of them going into that two-point conversion. And then you end up with Devondre Campbell making an incredible play to blow up the two-point conversion which the defense, again, may have known exactly what was coming. But that's what it reminded me of when it was over. I thought, damn, we, we've we sort of lived through this before. And I think after seeing adversity in week one, and it was a disaster to then come back and face different kinds of adversity in week three, but to still be able to overcome it and win, I think that's extremely promising for this team's future. Hell yeah, dude. I, I totally agree with you. I love just, like you said, the adversity to be able to withstand – a potentially like, hey, our offense is going to go completely anemic for almost you know two plus quarters, and going up once the against one of the best football players of all time in Tom Brady. Uh, the delay game was really strange. I feel like we've seen that in recent, even where he thinks he has a timeout, doesn't he? Tried to call a timeout there. I don't know. I couldn't read the lips. I knew he said timeout, and so I thought he had one or tried to get one. But yeah, strange. But at the end of the day, if that delay game goes the other way and they don't get the delay game, or even it's hiked again, you know, at zero probably a different outcome i'm i'm gonna just kind of guarantee because there's a lot of stuff that changed between that play and the next one based off of stuff we're hearing but overall hell of a win it's w and it was down in florida for god's sakes they actually get a win down in tampa bay which is huge for me yeah well we were just talking on last week's show right about how terrible they've been playing games in florida always hey you'll you'll happily take that if you're the packers again you do not apologize for wins in the nfl and when you play as well as the Packers defense played, I think you deserve credit for that. And let's get to the defense, Matt, and just how well they played in this game. And again, I was extremely impressed by the fact that they got it done without Jair. I know, yes, you can throw in the caveats. Well, they played without him a bunch last year and we're good. Okay, well, that's not necessarily something I would like to repeat that you don't have your best defensive player out there or your best defense back anyway. But true, yes, they have proven they can do that before. And then also... The, just the fact that they were able to do it for an entire game and you got a bunch of different guys who stepped up. Devondre Campbell, easily his best game of the first three of the season. I don't think there's mm-hmm. any question about that. You can see just the unbelievable athlete that he is. You got Adrian Amos making plays. I know he had the pass interference hold penalty at the end of the game, but I thought he played better 
in the game that we had seen from him through the first couple of weeks, which you and I had talked about. The fact that you got so many different guys contributing, getting pressure, and yeah, I know that the Buccaneers also didn't have any wide receivers. I know they were throwing to Brashad Perriman and Scotty Miller and Cole Beasley, who had just come off the street, but you're still playing against Tom Brady. You're still playing against who we believe as NFL fans is a good offensive coordinator and good play caller in Byron Leftwich, and you still were able to come out on top. You held that team to 12 points and one touchdown. That is incredible. One, they held them to no first-half touchdowns, which the Buccaneers still have not scored a first-half touchdown through three games, which is outrageous when you consider the weapons they have in general. But to hold them to just six points in the first half, or three points it was in the first half, I think, and then to hold them, okay, they get the touchdown at the end of the game, but you made the play that really mattered. That was the two-point conversion. Special teams even recovered an onside kick. So let's throw props to Alan Lazard in the special teams unit as well. I just was so pleased, so impressed, and pleasantly surprised. That's a little strong, but in, in that same family of just how complete of an effort it was from the defense all game long. Hell yeah. Like we talked about this a couple weeks ago, man. Don't forget, like we talked about how the secondary, like really, really strong in the front end, but in the, in the the number two and the number three guys, like shit, like what are they going to get from them? If someone goes down, well, that happened. We were talking specifically about the safeties at that point um, who showed out, I would say in week three, way better than that before Darnell Savage making some plays, Adrian Amos also having a completely just great game, but then, Jair goes down after the first couple of plays and it's like, okay, Nixon's thrust it in there. And honestly, I'm one of those idiots that like, I watched the game and I'm like, who is 25? Like who, why, like on a special teams play? Sure. I'm going to like, why is, why is 25? And like, you just forget that's like, this is new player they have. And he had a hell of a game. And I think just the secondary alone is like, I'm super pleased. I feel like the front seven's been, or excuse, I should say the defensive line has been very consistent this whole year, getting, edge pressure from Rayshon Gary, Jerron Reed popping off every once in a while, Dean Lowry holding it down, rotating in the Slaytons, the Wyatts of the world. Um, I actually thought Devondre Campbell didn't play that great in the game. He had a ton of tackles, but I felt like in, in pass coverage, he was just like constantly behind a receiver or a tight end or running back. Now, having watched the condensed version again, there was a play that I thought in real time was like, why the hell is Devondre Campbell trailing? And well, it's Russell Gage. He's trying to cover out of the slot. Like, not an ideal cover. So it's like, okay, let's take a step back. Let's not be super critical of him. But, um, and also it's like, you know, Quay Walker at times looks great. And then at times, like, on that last drive where Bucks are getting down the field, like, he's, they're not getting synced up as soon as they would like to. It's probably some of that is just a maturation process from him that it's like, okay, I got to get involved with what does it look like a two minute defense? Like what did, and there was just stuff out of the backfield that they weren't getting synced up to, but overall the defense is just like hitting its stride. I would like them, as I said, at the top of the show, just to be a little bit more aggressive. You know, I know it's tough to not rush more than four against Tom Brady because he's going to find the open man. He did that on the, the touchdown. They literally brought five or six guys and he was able to hit Gage on a basically hold it as long as he could to throw it in that yep. second or third window. So um, that would be my only caveat is like, hey, Joe Barry, I'd like you to be a little more aggressive here, but I also understand in a vacuum going up against just Tom Brady. It's like, dude, you can't really bring more guys because he we know how fast he gets it out and he's just so cerebral that he can get it to anyone as soon as he knows where that open dude is. So 
Um, but again, loving the defense, like truly like Jair sounds like you said that groin from what I've heard too. I think it was, um, Ryan Wood or Tom Silverstein had put something out saying like, you know, groins are a sensitive, you know, no pun intended groins are a sensitive area, but it can Relatable. take a little, exactly, but it can take a little bit of a while to make it just fully, you know, repaired and not a tender issue and playing hurt. Um, sounded like Jair was pretty optimistic after the game, but you never really know what he's kind of saying or thinking or if those two things actually align and at the end of the day i think he'll be back as soon as possible but i guess you know silver lining to come out that hey looks like you'll be back early and then nixon when called upon can play well but when we go up against like high-end receivers not russell gage brashard perriman scotty miller and cole beasley who just got out of the booth you know recording his next mixtape like it's like we would want some guys to be able to sustain against you know some better receivers they're not going to see a tough receiving core for a couple weeks now just looking here like pats don't have that good a receiving core it's a hodgepodge giants jets maybe washington they got a couple guys right now that are kind of balling out between dotson curtis samuel um and of course terry. Terry, terry but hopefully he's healthy by then and then when they get into the the thicker part of the schedule as it kind of progresses there you hope he's be back but i like the defense i think the defense is solid they're getting some good pass rush Preston Smith still playing pretty solid. He's he was kind of my biggest question mark going in if he could be a consistent pass rusher because we know what we're going to get out of Gary. But I, I, thus far, this defense is pretty sweet and they have more depth than we actually thought. I want to get to uh, a comment here from our guy Iowa Joe on the game on Wisconsin, where of course you can watch us live every Monday at eight o'clock Central Time. And he says pass rush wasn't helped by multiple holding calls. And yeah, I I don't like to be well the refs guy, but yeah, I mean it, all you have to do is watch the game and say hey. Maybe you should call more than one penalty when Rashawn Gary has, a, you know, the inside of an elbow around his neck. Maybe you should call that a little bit more often. Uh, Gill, also our pal Gill on the Game on Wisconsin YouTube mentions Russell Douglas stepped up pretty well. I think it was uh, Ross Uglum on Twitter on Monday doing his his film review, or it might have even been Sunday night when he originally posted it, but said, you know, Rasul is so good on the boundary. He's not nearly the same kind of guy when he's in the slot. He just doesn't quite have that fluidity, that speed, that quick twitch in the slot. But if in a pinch, if Nixon's going to play like he did in this game on Sunday, and you can get really good snaps out of Douglas on the outside, and, you know, I, I trust that Stokes is going to play well more often than not, that's a good enough group that you can certainly get by for a time. And man, I, I know I, we've brought him up a couple of times. You just mentioned him. I just mentioned him too, but Keyshawn Nixon to have a guy who can just get put in there right away and say, Hey, right into the fire. You've got to make plays happen. And to do it, that is absolutely sensational. By the way, before we get past the defense and get on to some offensive notes, uh, let's play a little remember some guys, green Bay Packers edition prior to Keyshawn Nixon, and after the greatest 25 in Packers history, Dorsey Levins, here are the dudes that wore number 25 for the Packers, okay? Between the years, what would this have been? 2003 and just last year, 2021. I literally right? only know one, I think. Ryan Grant. That's it. Everyone else, I have no idea. That's a good one. That's probably your second best Packer to ever wear 25. I think that's probably pretty easy to say. Uh, again, after Dorsey Levins. Your other ones... Uh, can I interest you in James Whitley, defensive back? 
Yeah, not not a name that came to my mind pretty easily either. No. Uh, Marvell Underwood for one season mm. in 2005. Sure. Uh, no relation to Carey, unfortunately. Okay. Um, James Nixon, as far as I'm aware, no relation to Keyshawn Nixon, although I might not be right about that. Uh, we also had Marwin Evan for two years in Marwin. 16 and 17. Another one that I I did not remember Marwin Evans at all. And then most recently it was Will Redmond. And oh, shout out. I'm much more happy to see 25 on Keyshawn Nixon than I was on Will Redmond. I think that's uh, pretty fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get to the offense here, Matt, because I think the biggest story from the game going into the game, and this was reported, I want to say on Friday, this really started to bubble up when Bill Huber brought it up. Uh, and then it was talked about more and more going into the weekend by some of the national guys. And finally, he was activated. David Bakhtiari is back for the Packers. And he played on a pitch count in this game on Sunday. He was rotating in and out with Yash Nyman, which, again, conventional wisdom would indicate you probably shouldn't do that because you want continuity on your offensive line. But as our good pal, El Jefe, Jacob Westendorf would say, Packers do pretty much whatever they want on the offensive line, whether we like it or not. They're just going to do what they think is right. And that might change from game to game. It might change snap to snap or drive to drive like it did on Sunday. But it worked, and Bakhtiari held up pretty well. LaFleur said, yeah, he he did about what we expected. We'll see what it looks like over the course of the next week. But I don't think you can say enough about how important it is to have that guy out there. And from PFF uh, on Monday, their grades from weekend, this is absolutely incredible stuff. Uh, As typed out by at Packerscribe, Brandon Carwile on Twitter, David Bakhtiari had the highest pass blocking grade all the Packers from week three. I mean, this dude has not played meaningful snaps since technically week 18 last year when he only got in a half and got re-injured. He has had all these setbacks. He hasn't played in a real meaningful role since all the way back in 2020. And yet he comes out and immediately he's making a big impact. Could he probably have been better? Sure. I'm sure there are a couple of snaps you could go back and critique, but I've been saying this whole time, you know, I, I think it's going to take some time. He's probably going to be okay or or just good when he comes back he's not maybe going to be best left tackle in the nfl good like he once was but he came out and he was balling out immediately and we've talked about stabilizing this line and we've talked talked about continuity and consistency and trust from the quarterback and the guys in front of him man i think i underestimated just how good he would be and how much of an impact impact he would make as soon as he got back out on even if it was in a 50 percent role First of all, shout out the uh, producer on the uh, perfect emoji for David Bakhtiari. I don't know why I've never seen that emoji used before for him. Definitely going to be in the repertoire from now on. Uh, The fact that he was the number one ranked offensive line for the Packers is absolutely incredible. Knowing when they start the game that they're going to rotate him with Nijman is like, they're going to do what? They're going to literally alternate Siri? Like, holy shit. It sounds crazy. Unbelievable. And Rogers said the same thing. Like he said in his post game, he was like, thought the idea was a little strange, crazy, whatever term he used. Um, listen to Andy on the video format of pack pack a day today. Also thought the same thing was strange, but it worked. Like that's literally what the biggest, it, it freaking works. And part of it too, which Andy brought up is like, maybe it had to do with weather too. Like you're going to be down there. It's 94 degrees. We saw the weather taking the toll on a bunch of guys and you know, not playing for almost two years and to come in and be thrusted in a super high humidity game and just have to withstand that, you know, pretty solid pass rush between Shaq Barrett, that young um, 
rookie they were talking about, Vita Vea, obviously up the middle. Like I was, I mean, that's, it exceeds our expectations, right? Like he doesn't really leave the game with injury. I didn't see him limping around all that much. He does have that kind of a weird uh, giraffe-ish walks. You never know if he's injured or just being, you know, uh, an absolute giraffe. So I would say I was really, really pleased. Like just the fact that they're able to rotate that in and make it work and have continuity. And that was the shocking part to me. I wasn't sure who would um, take the, you know, the short end of the stick with that rotation. I figure Yash maybe just because he's like not a vet, but also it's like how many times has David Bakhtera done this his life? Yash can be called upon at any moment and have to be filled in on either side. So Truly, at the end of the day, like, I'm very, very pleased with how Bach performed. Interesting to see now that this is the standard of them rotating series. Will this continue to be a thing as we progress? Are they going to go every two series and rotate? Or will it be two to one, David to Yash? Like, how are they going to sift through that? I think that's going to be super interesting. Um, barring no setbacks this week, I would imagine there'd be an increase. But awesome to have David back on the field and just, like, those relationships that are super important, Aaron Rodgers, the Randall Cobb, you know, the Jordy Nelson, any other guy that he's had these like fun relationships with over his years. It's cool to see them get on the field and <clears throat> chop it up and be boys together because they don't have any more. You don't know how many more games are left like this, right? Anything can happen at any moment. And um, I'm just it was awesome to see David back. And it really puts this offensive line back into a situation where it's like, OK, now we can put our best five out there. We can actually put the best possible dudes out there. And we got guys waiting in the wings just coming in wherever they need to fill in. And we got that Elton, that ultimate chess piece, that queen on the chessboard that you can move around wherever you need to, uh, to fill in. You bring up the, you know, the good feelings and, and the friendships and you never know when it's going to be the end and not to get overly sad with this, but it makes me think of the picture from God, was it 2020? It was several years ago of nice. Rogers and Bakhtiari sitting on, on the wall at Lambeau and, just talking and they're just wearing, you know, their, their pants and t-shirts and they're just chatting. And, you know, that awesome scene that shows two really close friends, just chopping it up. Like you said, or the shot from 2018 where Rogers and Cobb hugged and you can see Cobb, you can see his eyes welling up and, you know, damn, these dudes are super close friends. Aaron Rodgers is Randall Cobb's kids. Godfather. Like mm-hmm. they're obviously super close and thinking, damn, this is the end of their time together. And then, Hey, Randall Cobb ends up back in time. But that's not something that that happens all that often. And you kind of have to appreciate the moment while it's there. I know this is kind of going off on a tangent, but it sort of, I think, feels reminiscent of some feelings as a fan that, hey, enjoy these moments while they're here. Don't, you know, lose the forest for the trees because this is fun. This is exciting. And in a game like this against Tampa Bay, where you could say, oh my God, this offense, what the hell is going on? Uh, we won, but it's not the most pleasing win. Look, that's a really good defense. The Packers were super shorthanded on offense, and they still were able to get it done. That is enough for me. And I think with Bakhtiari specifically, when it comes back to actually on the field and the football stuff here, the relationships on the field make a world of difference as well because you are going to get more trust from your quarterback is going to maybe not look off some of the younger guys because he feels like he has more time. He's going to feel more comfortable. And you know, we know, all of us know, everybody who's ever watched a Packers game in the Aaron Rodgers era knows if you give him enough time, he is going to find someone and he is going to pick you apart. And you might see a quarterback, a veteran quarterback who has been hit and sacked a bunch this year, feel a little bit more comfortable when he knows, hey, I got the big giraffe over here at left tackle, number 69. He is going to keep me safe. Big E is going to keep me safe side 
Myers has had some valleys, but has also had some really high peaks throughout the first three weeks of this season. The guard play is not especially good, but it's good enough. I think you're going to see Rodgers get a whole lot more comfortable, and I think that is going to snowball in a positive way into more success for this offense. Running the ball should be more effective with both Dylan and Jones. No, Dylan hasn't churned out a ton of yards and certainly hasn't been super efficient to start the year, but I think that's going to come as this offensive line gets into more of a rhythm, more of groove, and develops more of that chemistry on the field together that they just haven't had in so long. I think the passing game is going to open up. I think some of the slower developing concepts are going to open up. And that continues to build on, okay, well, there's the offensive line. Guess what? At some point, Christian Watson, hopefully soon, is going to be back. That speed being added back into this team, that is a big deal. There are so many things, so many directions where this team can still go and can still develop and still get better. And to see that improvement on the offensive line right away when Bakhtiari gets back in there, I think that's the most encouraging sign yet, even more than Elton Jenkins back last week, because you know, hey, the pieces are starting to come together and against this next stretch of schedule for the Packers, which is not exactly murderer's row. I mean, there's no easy games in the NFL, but you know, this coming week it's the Patriots, and we're going to talk about the Patriots. Then you've got the Giants who are playing against the Cowboys right now on Monday Night Football as the show is live. But that's not – I don't know. I mean, they're better for sure, but I don't trust the Giants right now. Why would you trust the Giants right now? They have not really earned the benefit of the doubt at that point. That game is going to be in London. You're home for the Jets – who, again, might be a little bit better this year, but they haven't earned the benefit of the doubt. I'm not shaking in my boots over that game. And then you get the Commanders on October 23rd. These are all winnable games. Packers will be favored in all of them, and rightfully so. You are entering a stretch now over the next month or so, Matt, where I think all these pieces can come together and suddenly a lot more confidence might be instilled in this entire team, but especially in this offense that I think it's fair to say is a little injection of confidence. Definitely. I, it's, it's a great time for them to be going through this transition to get Bach back, Jair, figuring out these receivers, who's going to be healthy. Like, I think they're just going to be able to find themselves after having some, like you said, some setbacks with players, setbacks with the way the game's gone, just like fine tuning certain things, whether it be off. I mean, I thought the offense was pretty solid besides being a little anemic. I think it was, it was good flow, maybe getting AJ Dillon involved. Maybe let's get back to a game where we pound the snot out of the ball, like in the bears game. I think it's a good, good middle ground there. And one thing I want to bring up here, and I was just stewing on this as you were talking about the offensive line, the guards, let's say David Bakhtiari is hundred percent, takes all the snaps, 60 minutes at left tackle. Any scenario you think Elton moves inside and Yash put at right tackle, or is that just a, a world that doesn't make sense based off of the trajectory of Elton Jenkins' career? That's a great question. I still would think personally that Big E is probably your best option at right tackle. I just think he's got the best combination of athleticism, skill, technique, all of that. I think that is probably your best fit there. I think, too, Yash's comfortability is is stronger at left tackle than it is at right tackle. Now, can he play right tackle? Sure. I mean, we have seen it before. I don't know if he is especially comfortable there. I don't know if the coaching staff is necessarily as comfortable there. If you knew you could get equal production out of Yash Nyman at right tackle as you do at left tackle, I think it's close to a no-brainer that you make that move because Elgin is good at right tackle. He can be truly great if you kick him inside to guard. And then if you, again, knew you could get that production, you put Yash there at right tackle, and suddenly you're feeling, wow, okay, this is the best five. I just don't know if 
you can get that same level of production from Yash on the right side, because there are differences in technique and footwork and all of that, that can be hard for some guys to manage. It's an interesting question. I think it's a fascinating question. Now I will say this, would I be surprised if the Packers tried it at some point? No, I would not be surprised about anything this team does with the offensive line, because it's extremely hard to predict unless you start moving Myers to guard or Bakhtiari to guard pretty much anything else <laughs> on the table would I would say okay yeah no I I wouldn't do that personally but Adam Stenovich is a whole lot better at this than than I am and I think that's certainly a, a worthwhile credential for me to step back and say all right I trust you but no that is an interesting question and I think a lot of people are asking that right now good I'm glad I'm glad I'm not the only one and uh I think you're 100% right based off of where Najman's more uh more accustomed to and no, it's good. I think it's something good debate. Maybe a little water, maybe a little water cooler conversation. Bring up during the week before uh, this next weekend. One thing I want to get to before we get to Romeo Dobbs because I do want to touch on our beloved large adult son from the Nevada Wolfpack. Our guy Gill on the game on Wisconsin YouTube chimes in and asks: With as many competent offensive linemen as we have, do we look to trade one away? My lean is no, and I understand the value in this because you look at teams that are going to be on the fringes of a playoff run, like Dallas, that has a totally banged-up offensive line. Once Dak Prescott gets back, do you try to move someone? I know right after Tyron Smith got hurt, the line of thought was, oh, trade them Yash Nyman. I, I remember hearing uh, Robert Mays on the athletic football show say, oh, they should be on the phone with Brian Gutekunst right now. They should be calling to get him right now. If you're the Packers, I don't think you want to do that just because – having that depth is so important. And I know a lot of people are not high on Royce Newman, for example, but having a guy like that, even if you did make a new look offensive line, like you kicked E inside, Newman goes to the bench, still want that guy around because you know what his level of production is. There's a baseline level of quality there that you know you can live with. So I understand the argument. I just think personally, Matt, I would want to hold on to that depth because as we have seen in the last two years, you never know when you might need it. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea from Gil, and I appreciate the comment. And I think there's always a, a time to be had to field offers, especially when you have some great depth. But all it takes is one injury here or there, and then where are they left when they traded away someone for some flyer, receiver, corner? Who like it just doesn't make sense. Um, from that point, I realize it's a an abundant of assets they have there, but it doesn't take much for us to be in a situation where we turn into the Buccaneers or the Cowboys and you got so you know a high profile team, but you don't have an offensive line to keep your, your quarterback healthy. So um definitely something to kick the tires on. I'm sure uh Gutekunst isn't you know declining any phone calls and putting it straight to voicemail, but I'm sure he's on the phone for a couple minutes just to pick up. Oh, no, we're not interested and click, but still gotta keep the keep the transaction wire possibly moving. Let's get to our large adult son, Romeo Dobbs. We have been on the Dobbs train since the very beginning. Our beloved Mountain West degenerates, this one is for you. Shout out to the Nevada Wolfpack. Dobbs had a really nice game on Sunday, man. It wasn't otherworldly great, but it was good enough that he certainly looked the part in a game in which it was so freaking hard to move the ball he comes away with eight catches, 73 yards, has a touchdown. Yeah, he didn't average all that many yards per catch. And you would think at some point the deep shot is going to become a part of his repertoire because he was so good at it at Nevada, catching those moon balls from Carson Strong out in the desert at 
11 p.m. Central time on Saturday nights at week eight. Like that was such a huge part of his game and such a huge part of Nevada's game while he was in school. That's going to come. But seeing him get some tough throws at the goal line, seeing some plays down the field. There was that one in-breaking route from the left side of the formation in the second half. Rodgers threw a dart. Dobbs holds on to it, makes a nice gain for a first down. Plays like that, the more we see that, Matt, the more that trust is starting to develop. Has the Romeo Dobbs era, is Romeo Dobbs' season here, or do we need to temper expectations a little bit? Honestly, I think it's here, and here's why. So, A, his productivity in the first game that he actually had to be called upon was big. I mean, what did he have, seven or eight catches, was relied on very, very early to get this offense moving. And, I mean, there were plays that he had to make. Uh, Eight targets, eight receptions, 73 yards, and a touch. Like, the kid looked great. And the one thing that I really want to pull off of this is, like, it's not like it was – the normal cast of characters, you know, a completely healthy Randall Cobb, a Christian Watson out there, a Lazard, you know, maybe he's getting some snap, you know, differentiating from a couple other guys, but like he had to, he had to contribute. Like there wasn't like a, there, there's a ton of pressure on him to stand up and, you know, go against a pretty decent secondary in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he had to literally produce. It wasn't like, a, oh, he caught like three passes on his four targets and one was a deep shot. Like he literally had to produce because he was relied on for a lot of big plays. And like, that's a lot of pressure for a young rookie to be in that we haven't really seen put into that situation yet. And that's when I really like, that's when it really comes down to it is like, okay, yes, you can do it in training camp. Yes, you can do it in practice. Yes, you can do it in a preseason game. But like when the cards are on the table, and the chips are down and it's we have guys that are banged up we're calling up guys off the practice squad like we need someone to take over it's probably not going to be Randall Cobb with an illness Lazard's still bad on the ankle like everyone's looking around it's like it's got to be 87 like there's no one else and they they truly put him into situations that were great and they didn't even rely on him at all for like just like um the bubble screens or like the rpos that we had talked about maybe to get get the offense going like they relied on big plays like 20 21 yard play the touchdown like everything like it was i think he's here to stay i think he's definitely at this point like he has way more chemistry than uh christian watson does with rogers obviously right i don't think that's even a, a conversation to be had or a debate so i'm i'm here for romeo dobbs season so um y'all know the hashtag make sure you're dropping it and it's uh support the boy romeo dobbs And I think, too, our internet connection dropped out there for a moment. But uh, I do think, too, you mentioned Christian Watson. If you can get at least one of these guys on the same page with Rodgers, with consistency and regularity, you can afford to be a little bit more patient and play it a little slower with the other guy. You can resign yourself to, hey, you know what, right now, Watson – don't have quite the chemistry. He missed so much time during training camp. He's been banged up to start the year. He can be the fly sweep and bubble screen guy, and he can be the jet motion or motion guy for now. We can bring him along a little bit more slowly because we do have Dobbs here who is already making plays, who is already making an impact. And I think this is pretty impressive. This was tallied up by Zach Cruz of the Packers Wire. Matt for all the different things he said. A ton of potential he's not even close to his ceiling he can play the z he can play the x he can play the f knows the concepts cares about the game gives great effort that's something that aaron Rodgers mentioned as well when talking about the rookies i believe it was 
before or just after the week two game, you know, they just, they care. They want to impress. They want to make an impact. That is really high praise and a lot of praise being heaped on a guy who you obviously are expecting a lot from, but who hasn't had a whole lot of major experience to this point. You could have very easily, if you're Matt LaFleur there said, yeah, you know, he, he's done a lot of nice things and we're just starting to bring him along and we expect big things from him. No, he was very specific. Hey, he can play these three different roles in the offense. He's really good with his body. He's good with this mobility, all these different things. The fact that they are hyping him up like that and are being specific and intentional about it, I think indicates that his role in the instant future or the immediate future is going to continue to grow. And if that is the case, especially without Watkins, who seem to have some sort of relationship with Aaron Rodgers, some sort of chemistry there, at least in the game against Chicago. No one had any chemistry. Nothing was going right in week one. But in the game against Chicago, Watkins made an impact. He was toasting guys late in the game in that one. If you have that little bit of chemistry, you obviously have something with Lazard and Cobb. You obviously have the pass catching options out of the backfield. Big Bob Tunyon looks like he's getting back in full form over the last couple of weeks. If you throw Romeo Dobbs in there, all of a sudden you might not have a ton of star power at the skill positions, Matt, but you've got a bunch of guys who can impact the game in a lot of ways. And that goes back to something we talked about last season, how, hey, you know, Lazard's your, your big body. And when Tunyon got hurt, he was essentially your tight end, or at least your most effective pass catching tight end. You had the running backs who can do their thing. MVS was your speed guy at the time. You don't have that Mr. Do-Everything Devante who is incredible anymore. But you do have a lot of different guys who can do a lot of different things. And if you trust the scheme and you trust the game plan, you can rely on that to win you games and to do enough for your offense. And at least to me, and you can tell me if I'm reading too much into this, but at least to me, that kind of praise and that kind of specific praise leads me to believe, yes, they think Romeo Dobbs is going to contribute and they think he's going to contribute as soon as possible. Yeah, I think you're right. And I forgot I omitted Sammy Watkins the entire time I was going on the, the Dobbs train there and uh, the fact that Sammy Watkins is out for four weeks sucks whatever he'll come back when he can but I think the big thing is just like he can play all these positions being Romeo Dobbs right like you don't have to worry about him I mean that's that's what the Packers look for for all their players right we know they want to be versatile whether it's a secondary guy offensive lineman defensive whatever but the fact that he can you know as a rookie learn the playbook for a specific position then also be able to do all the positions that or pass catcher is relied upon in an Aaron Rodgers offense I think is huge and he's gonna be able to be thrust into any situation Sammy Watkins comes back oh shit uh Lazard's banged up you got to play him in a different spot and like they all have different abilities that they have and I think at the end of the day Romeo Dobbs is I think it was a huge progression game for him he's got he knows he can do it now he's done it in a real game he did it up against a you know a top end team and I think it's just a it should be some confidence to build off of as we get into this like weird part of the season like we've already talked about some lower caliber teams where they can kind of make some strides um with every all three different phases of the game let's get to the matchup for the Packers coming up in week format Packers taking on the New England Patriots and this is a Patriots team that I was not high on at all going into the year because I didn't think they had done enough to make market improvements. And I'm not a Mac Jones guy. I'm just not. I think he's okay. I think if he hits his ceiling in the NFL, he's Kirk Cousins. And if not, he's like an okay starter who probably isn't super long for the league. I mean, I just don't really see it with him. I think there were a lot of advanced numbers last year that would indicate, yeah, this guy's probably not quite as good as he's getting hyped up to be. Steve Young went on 
national television on ESPN and said Patrick Mahomes could use to watch some Mac Jones tape. Get the hell out of here. Like, that's the dumbest shit in the whole world to make that kind of claim. He's he's okay. He's a, a dink and dunk guy who Bill Belichick doesn't trust. And I'm, I'll get to a point because I know he's not going to play in this game. But, like, last year in the blizzard, we all remember when the Patriots threw the ball three times in that game against the Bills and that terrible weather. Uh, I think that game was in New England. It might have been in Buffalo. It's going to be bad weather up there in the winter no matter what. Like, if you trust your quarterback, you're going to let him throw more than three times. Rodgers even said that when he talked with Pat McAfee after that game last year uh, on the McAfee show. He said, yeah, there's no way I would have done that. I feel like I would have the trust to get that done. So you already are working with a group that's not wildly talented, starting with the quarterback. And you said it earlier in the show tonight, their pass catchers are okay, but they're not great i mean if, mm-hmm. if jacoby myers is healthy enough to go he's an okay piece nelson aguilar we know the story of nelson aguilar and the fact that he can break off big plays he could also drop the easiest pass in the world their tight end situation is not especially good their offensive line has taken a massive step back since dante skarnecki retired their defense is fine i mean it's a good defensive unit and bill belichick's units always are going to be but you throw all those things together, and then it looks like Brian Hoyer is going to be your starting quarterback because Mac Jones has some sort of severe high ankle sprain. I don't know, man. I don't want to say this is going to be an easy win. I don't want to write this one off because it is Bill Belichick on the other sideline, and you know he is going to have something schemed up. But I didn't even get to the fact that Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are calling the plays and working on the offense for this team. I just – I have a hard time seeing – the path to a Patriots victory, whereas I have a much easier and clearer view of what it will take for the Packers to win this game. And I don't feel like it will take any special kind of effort from the Packers to get it done. No, I think you're right. And I've been trying to decipher the last, just I think like a lot of people have between the Tom Brady's influence on the New England Patriots versus Mm -hmm. the Bill Belichick influence on the Patriots Still tough to say apples to apples because Tom goes to a great situation now with the Bucs. Obviously, you take out a star-studded Super Bowl-winning MVP quarterback from a team. There's going to be some ebbs and flows there. They also lose, you know, Rob Gronkowski. I thought last year was the where expectations should have been if you're a Patriot fan. Very decent season from Mac Jones. You saw some progression, but this year to start. Like you mentioned, they didn't really place a lot of the assets. One that comes to mind, J.C. Jackson, didn't go out and replace him in any capacity from my memory. So they're just in a – they're still kind of like limping along post-Brady era. You'd think you'd want to go out and get some guys. They added to the uh, receiver room slightly, Devontae Parker. They just have a, a hodgepodge of humans that are catching passes from, uh, from Mac Jones. I also agree with you. I don't see him being a top-end caliber dude in this league. Maybe if they get some guys around him, they're just in a weird spot. Like, they still have – they run the ball. They ran the shit out of the ball yesterday between Damian Harris and Stevenson. I I just don't see how the Packers would lose this game. Brian Horror coming. Maybe it's a Bailey Zappi game. Maybe. You know, shout out to Western Kentucky. Like, that's definitely a guy that's, I know, on your radar. So – Regardless who's being quarterback there, I just don't see how they're going to – I mean, they could run the snot on the ball. I think that's exactly what the – the. I mean, clearly that's what has to be the the science experiment would be for Bill Belichick is we're just going to run the ball. We got Stevenson. We got Damian Harris. 
we have Brian Hoyer who can sustain this game for us, but we're not going to be able to throw the ball downfield because regardless, I mean, I don't see any of those receivers killing the Packers. I really, really don't. Like, unless they get some nasty combination between Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, I just don't see them being able to attack. So if I'm going in, I'm just going to run the style of the ball and try to take away a somewhat of a weakness as what the Packers have been ranking still pretty low in rushing offense before yesterday's game or rushing defense. I assume it's improved since yesterday uh, based off of Leonard Fournette not having that big of a game, but I just don't see there's a way we lose. I really don't. It's just see, this is the first game I think on the paper where I'm actually like, I mean, Bears, I was pretty confident, but you're still coming off that Minnesota game, and it's still a divisional game. Like, you don't really know what to expect. Now we've seen the way this team can play three quarters outside of the Vikings game. Like, I think it's pretty solid. So I'm I'm pumped for this game, um, but you never know. Bill Belichick's a nasty son of a gun. Like, he might scheme up something we don't anticipate. Yeah, that's the one thing that makes you hold up, right? That, uh, man, it's Belichick over there. It really does feel, though, to me at least, like he's playing – NFL on hard mode since Brady left like he's just trying to make the game as difficult as possible like like drafting Cole Strange with the 29th overall pick when most of the NFL viewing world said who the hell is Cole Strange well he played at Chattanooga and now he is starting on the offensive line for the Patriots in his first rookie season like that's that's just what Bill Belichick does and it's kind of a, a meme or a joke at this point but I don't know I I just don't really get the vision with this team. And again, if they don't have Mac Jones, they're going to run the ball a bunch, whether it's Zappy or Hoyer. I think it'll probably be Hoyer. Although I'd love to see Zappy because I really enjoyed him in college. I fired off a joke on Twitter. I don't know if I deleted it or kept it up or not, but at the draft saying Bailey Zappy is going to be a better NFL quarterback than Mac Jones. I, I will have to go dig through the archive, see if I can find that one. I might've deleted it if I thought it was too hot to handle, but they're going to run the ball a lot. You stop the run in this game. Are you going to get a good game from, Quay Walker, can he kind of have his coming out party? Can Devondre Campbell make some sure-handed tackles? If you can, I think that's probably going to be enough to win this game. I trust that the offense is going to do enough. Again, that it's a good defense, but it's nothing that makes me think, oh my God, this team is overwhelming at this point. It's not like that team, I believe it was the final year for Brady in New England when they had that incredible defense. I think that was the 2019 season. This isn't anything like that. They're good. They're not overwhelming like that. So I think the offense will do enough. I think it'll be another fairly low-scoring game, but I think that's mostly going to be because I don't see a whole lot of ways for the Patriots to score a lot of points. By the way, before we get to significant to some, can you name the school Bailey Zappi went to before Western Kentucky? Oh, They've talked about that. I don't think that's actually that crazy of a take, by the way, Bailey Zappi versus Mac Jones. Got an arm! The athleticism and like I think there's there's a avenue for Bailey Zappi to get involved and the fact that he's on the Patriots like they've done they've done some weird stuff with guys like him over the years. I'm gonna say, man, I I remember seeing it on when he was drafted because going up to the draft, I honestly had no clue who he was until like the week of and like and then they did a whole profile mm-hmm. when the Patriots selected him. Was he on more than one team even before Western Kentucky or was it just? I believe just the one. Just the one? Okay. I'm The first one that came into my head was Wake Forest. I don't think that's correct, so I'm just throwing that out there, and you can tell me what shit is. Uh, honestly, you're barking up the right tree. Can I interest you in Houston Baptist? Ah, correct. Which, yeah, the old Houston Baptist. Sure, sure, sure. 
which fun fact last week changed their name. They're now Houston Christian. They didn't want to be Houston Baptist anymore. So they're Houston Christian now, but that is where Bailey Zappi got his career started. So a little fun fact for you. All right. Whether it's Bailey Zappi, whether it's Brian Hoyer, it is going to be Packers versus Patriots coming up on Sunday this week. It's going to be the big game on CBS, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson. That's your broadcast crew for it coming up on Sunday, 325 Lambeau time kickoff. Significant to some, Matt. Let's get the early line. This opened at nine and a half favoring the Packers. It's already up a full point at most major sports books uh, to 10 and a half. Depending on where you look, the over-under has moved as well. Uh, not to name any names specifically, but it's a certain sports book where there are a lot of kings who like to draft. The over-under right now is at 40. Uh, a certain other sports book where fans like to duel, uh, currently 39 and a half. So the books... Uh, the friends in the desert, they are predicting a low-scoring game in this one. Packers heavily favored. Who you got in our early look for week four? I mean, got to go Packers. Obviously, the way, the, obviously the reason the line is moving because reports came out today that Mac Jones probably going to be out for a couple games. Uh, duh. Even with him in there. Nine and a half seems pretty fair. I don't think it – I think it's probably a little heavy for Packers, based nine and a half, but it is a home game. So I think I think whatever. Anyways, it was like you said, ten and a half now. I I like the Packers to cover. Um, what did you say the point total was to? I missed that part. Thirty nine and a half or forty Gee, looks to be the wow. number. Yeah, low scoring. I think last week was like forty two or forty two and a half. Wow. Um, feels like there's a lot of low scoring games this year. That feels like the move for a lot of this season. And there really has been. I. I'll go under. I'm going to go under. I'm just going to stick. Because the Packers really haven't scored a, a crap ton of points thus far. I'm going to say Packers under. So they win by 10 and a half. We got to go uh, math. 27, 27 to 10 stomping of the New England Patriots led by Bailey Zapier or Mac Jones undecided. I was also going to say 27 to 10. Uh, that was also the number. I I mean, I think the Patriots will score. I'm not expecting a shutout in this game, but Packers can score a few touchdowns. I don't see the Patriots scoring all that many points. Again, can you stop the run? That is going to be the one thing in this game. Because, like, are you are, – okay, we can put Bailey Zappi in the our guy category now. But, like, do if he's out there playing, do we expect anything? If it's old-ass Brian Hoyer out there, do you expect anything? No, Brian Hoyer is the same guy now that he was at Michigan State, that he was when he played for the Browns, or the other two times he played for New England before this current time, or when he was in Houston, or any of the other places he's been. He's the same guy he's always been. They don't have dudes who can catch the ball. Their offensive coaching staff is a casserole of nonsense. I mean, I just don't I just don't see it with this team. And I know you shouldn't count out a Bill Belichick team, because when you do, that is when they're at their most dangerous. But their roster is butt, and the Packers are, I think, riding some momentum right now. Hopefully, we'll get even more Bakhtiari. Maybe some of those receivers get healed up and are more at full strength for this game. You know what? It's not super creative, but I'm going to go with it, too. 27 to 10, I think the Packers win this game. I think they cover. I do like the under because I just don't see the Patriots scoring all that much. I don't know where their points are going to come from against a defense like this. And you can say, well, hey, look at the points they scored against Baltimore. Packers have a better defense than Baltimore does this year. The Packers defense is better than the Ravens, which is crazy to think about, but I really just don't see a ton of points, but plenty for the Packers to get it done. 
I'm expecting a fun Sunday afternoon, my friend. I think this is going to be a very enjoyable game. I hope it is an enjoyable game anyway. And uh, I know our guy, Dan, on the Game on Wisconsin YouTube chimed in and said, hey, I love when Tony Romo calls Packers games. I do too. I like the Nansen Romo team. Um, and shout out to Tracy Wolfson. I love to share the story of the time I saw her at the NCAA tournament in 2016, sprint the length of the floor to catch Bill Self for an interview wearing like five inch heels. They were massive. Like a third of her entire height was her heels in that game, sprinting hauling ass across the floor to go catch Bill Self for an interview. Uh, I've always been a big Tracy Wolfson fan after seeing that display of athleticism. So I'm excited for the crew, excited for the kickoff time. And I'm excited for this game, man. I think Packers win and I think we're feeling pretty good three and one to start the season. I'm not going to be shocked if we don't find out who the starting quarterback is for them until about two o'clock on Sunday based off of if I'm because like I'm getting big John Holford vibes from uh, Bailey Zappi, the backup that was for the Rams, kind of like little wiry guy that would run around a little bit. Like if they hold their cards to the chest, it might be a little bit tougher to game plan because I think Zapier can move Brian Hoyer just to, you know, He's a good game manager at this point, solid backup, but I think that's an interesting dynamic. If they, I don't expect to know who that is, and if they were to release that right away, that's probably pretty telling of what Bailey's progression has been um, in his first rookie preseason or offseason, season, etc. Um, but it should be a good game. I'm excited, and I have Dan chiming in the YouTube. I apologize for picking the under. That is off-brand for me, but I got to kind of correct my wrongs based off the last couple of things I've seen because – they're just not, we're not scoring a ton of points. And at the end of the day, like overall games have been lower scoring. And like you said, like it's or like, we've all said, like, it's, it's really just, they're not going to be able to score that many points. The Patriots are going to control the ball more, therefore less possessions. And it's just, it makes sense. And Oh, based off of everything in total, they haven't even exceeded 38 points in any game. So take that for what it's worth when you're betting this weekend. Yeah. i it's kind of gross, but I feel like I've become an under guy after watching the NFL this season. I, I, I don't like it, but hey, if it makes me money, I'm going to go for it. We will be excited for this game all week long. Don't forget to check us out on social media. You can find Matt at Matt underscore F-R-A underscore on Twitter. You can find myself as well at Brendan DZW. Make sure you're following Game on, Game on Wisconsin on Twitter at Game on WI. Same handle on Instagram. Find us on Facebook as well. And of course, on YouTube. We will be back coming up live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter next Monday night as we get ready for week five. But first, got to take care of business in week four. We'll be reacting to it. We can't wait for it. Matt, good show as always. We'll talk to you next Monday. You betcha, man. Let's have a good week. Until then, for Matt Fralick, I'm Brendan Dwarzinski. This has been The Final Dump, brought to you, as always, by Game on Wisconsin. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could have given me the touchdown. That is hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I understand. That was a good effort, though, wasn't it? It was a pretty good effort.